0: Welcome to Next in Health podcast. I'm Jenny Petro, PwC's Vice Chair for Health Industries, working across pharmaceuticals, medtech, payers, and providers.
1: And I'm Igor Belokornitsky, a principal with PwC Strategy End, where I get to help leading health organizations with their strategies and operating models. And today, Jenny and I have two guests, Nolneesh Gore, who's a partner in our cyber risk and reg practice, and Ben Ree, who's a principal in our enterprise strategy and value practice. And Nalnish and Ben work in life sciences and medical devices, and they help their clients with their China strategies. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And why is it important to have a China strategy? Well, it's a great opportunity to impact the lives of a lot of people. China has, for example, over 100 million people who have diabetes. There are about 5 million new cancer cases in China last year, so a massive opportunity to impact lives but also a very complex market. And so we will talk today about the opportunities and complexities and excited to have Ben and Nalnish to talk us through this. So welcome, Nalnish and Ben, to the
2: podcast. Happy to talk to you today about this important topic, Igor. Likewise.
0: Ben, what kind of opportunities do you see in the Chinese market? Sure. To answer that
3: question, let me highlight maybe a few trends while keeping in mind some of what Igor just said. So China has a population of almost 1.5 billion people, right? So the population is extremely large. You're going to see a lot of patients that have unmet needs. This makes China an attractive market because of the number of patients that will need life sciences products going forward. Second, China's getting wealthier. Its middle class is amongst the fastest growing in the world. In 2000, I think the middle class accounted of only 3% of China's population but today it's over 50%. And on top of that, China has also prioritized and focused healthcare reform on expanding insurance and provider coverage for its people. What this means is that access to life sciences products will only increase going forward. Also, China has established medicines and medical device industries as a national priority. As a part of this, China has already significantly and rapidly improved its regulatory policies and procedures To support innovative medicines and medical product approvals. And it's also providing a lot of incentives and support for local CROs and CDMO infrastructure, as well as innovative biotechs. What this all means is that the combination of a well-educated workforce along with all of these trends in China is making it a hotbed for innovation as well. In 2022 alone, over $12 billion in financing has flowed into Chinese biotech. And we're also seeing Chinese biotechs attracting a lot of foreign investment with multinational pharma partners and medical device partners. And these multinationals are now buying into the R&D that is coming out of China. So to summarize, Jenny, I think there's a lot of opportunity for life sciences companies in China. From a commercial standpoint, China's a huge market with many unmet medical needs that's only going to require more life sciences products. And the ability to pay for these products is only improving. Second, from an R&D and manufacturing standpoint, significant government support and investment in life sciences as a national priority is resulting in a proliferation of life sciences infrastructure like CROs and CDMOs. It's increasing the education of the workforce. You're seeing increased life sciences innovation, and that makes China a very attractive place from an R&D and manufacturing standpoint. And finally, as you look at local consumer and tech trends, local provincial and national policies as well as geopolitical and macroeconomic changes that are happening, companies are going to need to stay close to how winds are shifting in China to think about how they'll impact their strategies and tactics to enable success.
1: Ben, that's very helpful and very exciting, but also sounds like it's not for the faint of heart. And Melnish, I know you think about risks and regulations on the daily basis. What kinds of risks does an organization have to be mindful of as it enters and operates in this exciting market?
2: So Ben makes many good points about how lucrative the China market is for life sciences companies. Many of these life sciences companies have been operating in China for two decades or over two decades, and they recognize the market potential. That said, leading companies are taking the time to understand and monitor the risks, and here's what they're doing. So number one is they're proactively tackling the recent data privacy regulations. In the last five years, China has introduced a slew of data privacy regulations. There are four key regulations that apply to all of our farm and life sciences clients to a varying degree. They are the China cybersecurity law, the data security law, the personal information protection law, and finally, the cross-border data transfer regulations. Our clients are assessing their compliance stance against all the four regulations, mitigating gaps, and submitting the requisite paperwork as needed to the appropriate authorities. In some cases, clients are anticipating the need to localize key business systems. And here, a trend is emerging where the customer relationship management platforms are being considered for segmenting and localizing in China. Number two is they're assessing the implication of geopolitics to their business. My client's objective is to de-risk their business and operations related to their presence in China. For these, there are three very broad considerations. One is what are they doing with regards to products and services being provided in and out of China, both globally and to the Chinese customers? Two, supply chain aspects for those products and services. And C, looking at acquisitions, divestitures, and joint ventures. And lastly, the third area of focus is protection of intellectual property. In a highly lucrative market, competition is rampant, and our clients are vigilant to confirm that their IP is being protected. This means that they're looking at segmenting their R&D efforts in China, putting together technical controls, such as segmenting business systems and networks, controlling access to global systems, and detecting and responding to IP theft events.
0: Thank you. So Ben, you've outlined the opportunities in the China market and now niche the challenges and risks. And between these challenges and opportunities, we do know that some organizations have been more successful than others in the China market. Can each of you share some of your lessons learned and perhaps some models that have proven more successful?
3: Sure, Jenny. While there really isn't a specific strategy or tactic that's going to guarantee success. Here are some of the things that I'm seeing that successful companies often share. Many of them often have an investment and focus on China as a company strategic priority, right? So it goes all the way to the C-suite where they're making it a priority to invest in China. Second, there's a clear effort to plan and make sure that business continuity planning is happening around many what-if scenarios for their China operations. Third, many of them have a very strong local presence and a thorough understanding of the local market. The Chinese market is ever-changing. The competition changes, the local and provincial policies, as well as national policies, are shifting on a pretty frequent basis and is evolving. And the key distributors and potential partners continually change too. So having a strong local presence and thorough understanding of the local market to inform their strategic and tactical decisions is also key. Fourth, agility and flexibility to shift strategies and tactics, as well as their resources when needed as the local environment changes. And then finally, thinking about ROI for investments in China is also something that's top of mind for many of these companies. I've seen it as a consistent challenge across many life sciences companies. There are some exceptions out there. But enabling higher returns in China for most multinationals is going to require not just innovative products, which many of them have, but innovative and highly efficient digitized go-to-market strategies and operations as well. Yeah, Ben makes some really good points with regards
2: to scenario planning. You know, from a risk perspective, scenario planning is a very important tool. Number one, this is a board and executive leadership team level topic. And so therefore, the sooner they're able to get the support from them, the easier it is and the better it is for them to action whatever they need to do with regards to their business and operations in China. The mistakes that have been made is to treat this as an IT problem. And when it starts there, it soon becomes recognized as a strategic problem and starts to hit the board and ELT level. Number two is they're developing an integrated plan. So this isn't just about one particular regulations. You have to take a look at the regulatory landscape, the geopolitics and IP protection from a risk perspective. And all three have to be addressed holistically. So the companies that are addressing it more holistically come up with a plan that they can take action rather than try to do this in a piecemeal manner. And lastly, they recognize the impact of the technical changes required to do this This may include relocating or adding workforce in various geographies. And once you think about it that way, then you can think about talent management and how you are going to involve the workforce in China to deliver on the business commitments that a company has in China.
1: This is a really helpful line of conversation. I want to continue it a little bit. You both look at a lot of China strategies for a lot of organizations. So I'm curious, what are the elements of an effective and successful strategy? Obviously, everybody's different, but what are the building blocks that need to be part of the strategy? What are the big questions that a China strategy should answer in order to have a chance to be successful?
2: Yeah, I mean, China is a very important part of any business's globalization efforts. And our view is that globalization is not going away, but it is changing. And businesses can continually assess the impact to their business from the shifting landscape. So when I think about the strategies, I think they would do well to consider all the three areas, looking at the regulatory landscape, looking at the geopolitics, as well as IP protection. Secondly, they need to recognize that while some of the changes will appear to be technical in nature, those technical changes will result in impact to people and process. So for example, if a CRM system is localized in China, Then to keep the data on Chinese physicians and patients in China, some of those global processes will need to be localized in China too. And this may require adding a headcount in China to support those processes. Thirdly, businesses have to plan for risk scenarios. You know, Ben talked about risk scenarios, but you have to take a look at what is the possible risk scenario that you're preparing for. And in many cases, the law, the legal landscape, the geopolitics are highly dynamic. So all you can do is plan for those risk scenarios that have as yet not played out. So for example, what would a business do if the data protection laws become even more restrictive than the ones that have been enacted so far? And lastly, businesses have to look at their growth projections to decide if the cost of implementing the changes supports their growth prospects. Sometimes the changes and what they have to do to comply with the regulations and manage the geopolitics is so enormous that it may make sense to basically look at partnerships or divestitures as a possible option. It's a highly dynamic landscape and my leading clients have established China Transformation Leads to monitor and adapt to this changing landscape.
3: I couldn't agree more with Naomish. I would add the following. One, going it alone or finding alliances or partners in China is going to be a critical decision that will have far-reaching implications on your success. And to make the right decision, we suggest be realistic about your company's local knowledge, capabilities, as well as your ability to invest and commit. Right, That's critical. Now, Nish gave an example of the localized CRM system. Without the ability and commitment to invest in that, you might not be as successful as you'd like. Second, companies should approach their China strategy in a holistic manner, accounting for the implications of establishing, partnering or importing R&D, supply chain or manufacturing, commercial, as well as other corporate infrastructure and capabilities in China. And then for most companies, a holistic new China strategy should not merely mean a set of plans for doing business in China or commercializing in China, but a strategy that accounts for how China fits as a core component or doesn't fit as a core component to its long-range global business plans.
0: Well, this is certainly an exciting and complex market with, as you've outlined, a lot of opportunities and market potential. We appreciate you both walking us through the risks, considerations, and success strategies and how to operate in the China market. So Namish, Ben, thanks for sharing your insights with us.
2: Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, Igor. Thanks for having us, Igor and Jenny. Thanks for joining us.
1: And thanks for a fantastic conversation. For more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, please subscribe to our podcast and visit pwc.com forward slash US forward slash next in health podcast, all one word for past episodes. Until next time. This has been Next in Health.
0: This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved.